All right, kids, I'm going to need your help tonight because I always start Christmas services with a joke. And so, kids, I need you to spur your parents and your grandparents along to participate. Here we go. Knock, knock. Mary. Merry Christmas. I got one more for you. Knock, knock. Mary. Jesus' mom. All right, last one. This one, I think, is a lot better. Knock, knock. Yeah. I'm so excited for this message, too. Here we go. All right? Hey, Merry Christmas. It is so good. And here's the thing. Tonight is the night. Tonight is the night. It is the night that we've been waiting for. It's the night where the world is pining for peace. It is the night where there is goodwill towards all. And it's not even just the night. I mean, we've been having this. We've been expecting this from the moment that we start listening to Christmas music on November 1st. We start getting ready for Christmas. We are pining for the peace of what is going to be. We are looking for goodwill. This is the other day, Lori told me, she said to me, you know, Greg, I was in uh, Walmart and I was getting my groceries and I was waiting for the line and we got to the end of the line and there was this woman who was holding a baby, put all her groceries up there. And as she put her last item, which was her cherry tomatoes onto the conveyor belt, she realized they were bursted open and that they were all over the place. And she looked at the cashier and she said to the cashier, is there any way I could get more of these? And the cashier looked at her and said, sure, you can go all the way back to the store and grab them. And Lori looked at her as her face just kind of got dejected of like, okay, I make everyone else wait. I'm holding my baby, all these things. And Lori just said to her, you know what? I'll go get it. I'll be right back. And she just left and went and got her cherry tomato, came back and the lady said, wow, that was so kind of you. And Lori goes, I would want someone to do the same thing. We've all been there. Right? We are in the season and the mood of just being kind and bringing goodwill to all. Tonight is the night. It's also the night where whether you're a believer in Jesus or a questioner or a downright skeptic, everyone across the world cannot help but to have some wonder at the awe and the majesty of the history and the story of this evening. It's the night. And you know, tonight's also the night that we then begin to look back. I don't know about you, but as I, I kind of enter into this night, I look back at this past year, and, and probably because of everything that we've been coming out of, for me, as I look back in this past year, some anniversaries are a little more special. As I look back, some birthday celebrations are a little more memorable. As I look back, I think about some milestone events, friends' marriages, birth announcements, and even the coming together and remembering the life of loved ones who were lost. 
And yet also at the same time, I can't help but to be looking forward, to be looking about what is ahead, what will 2022 look like, and how exciting in the anticipation that is coming and the expectation of what the new year will bring. That's what this night does to all of us. I have a good friend I was talking to um, about nine or ten months ago now, and he told me about this time he went to go in anticipation and expectation prepare for his hunting of moose. He lives in Anchorage, Alaska, and he was saying to me that he went to his friend Steve and said, hey, Steve, I want to go look at this valley where I think we can catch or we can kill some good moose. And he had never been able to, to kill a moose before in, in his hunting up there. And so his friend Steve said, I'm in, let's go. And his friend Steve owned a small private plane. And so they got in their private plane and they began to fly into this area that he had charted out and he had said, this is where I think we're going to be able to, to find some moose to kill when it becomes hunting season. And so they're flying over the area and they're looking forward to what it is. And Brian says to Steve, he says, I want to get a little bit higher. Get me higher because I want to be able to see everywhere as he's starting to chart on his map and starting to look and to say, here's some good clearings and here's some areas where there's swamps and here's the places that I think there will be moose next season. We anticipate with excitement what is to come. In Matthew 2, 1 and 2, and I like the message version, especially around Christmas, because it just brings that, that familiar story we've read, but brings it to modern day application. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem Village, Judea territory, this was during Herod's kingship. A band of scholars had arrived in Jerusalem from the east. They had asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that had signaled his birth. We're on a pilgrimage to worship him. Man, a lot actually happens in this moment of this anticipation. First of all, they were all kind of waiting for something to be happening. But, but a lot's going on here as we look at this anticipation. First of all, notice this, and this is what I love, and I, I want us to think about a little bit too tonight. I love that God speaks to his people in ways that they're familiar with in ways that would be natural, in ways that they would say, oh, okay, I get this. So we know that the angelic choirs, the angels came and they appeared to the shepherds. Now the shepherds would have been, would have been used to seeing God speaking, the God of Israel speaking to them through angelic visions. But God speaks to the magi, to the philosophers, to those who are not followers of the Jewish God in ways that they understood because they were astrologers. They would have read the stars and looked to the stars for communication for them. 
And God speaks to them in that way. And also God does this amazing thing where they have this idolatry in the stars. God brings them back using all of his creation to bring everyone to worship and to praise him. And so they hear him speaking in a way that they would be familiar with, that wouldn't be foreign. And that God that spoke then is the same God that still speaks today. And the beauty of our God is he still speaks to you and to me in ways that we're familiar with. In ways that we would say this is not foreign or this is not unexpected. And tonight I just want you to think about how is God speaking to you because he is. He's speaking to all of us on this night. And he is leading us to lead others to worship and to praise this Christ child. Like the philosophers, like the shepherds, like Mary and Joseph, tonight. In Matthew 2, it goes on to say that when the word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. But not even Herod alone but most of Jerusalem as well. Herod had lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and the religious scholars in the city together, and he asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? You know, it's so interesting because I think that Herod had grown comfortable, had grown comfortable with his lifestyle, had grown comfortable with what he had. And so he was afraid because he said, well, wait a minute, I have heard that there's supposed to be this new ruler coming out of the east as one who was not a follower of the ways. And so he was afraid because he thought, saw a threat to his lifestyle, a threat to his comfort. But notice there it also says that not only Herod was afraid, but most of Jerusalem as well. They would have been expecting the Messiah, but where does their fear come? I think their fear comes because they're used to the life that they're in. Oh, it's not the life that they want, but it's the life that they've had for generations. There was 400 years of silence as they were expecting and awaiting for God to speak. They're living in a life and a time of occupation by the Romans. They're living in a life and a time where they're sitting there and they're saying many have fallen away. They're living in a life and a time where they're looking back generation after generation of those who have disobeyed the will and the ways of their forefathers of their God. And they're walking through this valley. And I think it's really important for us to think about the valleys. Because the truth of the matter is, I think sometimes we think about valleys and we think they're these life-altering events. Cancer. Death of a loved one. Divorce. But if we're honest with ourselves, the valleys sometimes are just the normal walking in a life that's not perfect. The walking with anxiety, the walking with moments of depression, the walking of a bad day, the walking with discord in our marriage, discord in our homes, 
the walking in our jobs and uncertainty, the walking in the reality that we live in a litigious society, the walking in the unknown of trying to make ends meet and just hoping for a little bit of overtime. You see, no one plans for turbulence. No one plans as we are in the valleys and as we're walking in the valleys for the bumps that come. They just hit us out of the blue. And then that becomes our focus because the unforeseen valleys are never planned and they're always real. And they're where our mind and our focus and our heart lies in those moments. And whatever my valley and that turbulence in is real for me. And it's hard. It's discouraging. It's frustrating because it's not the mountaintop that we yearn to be on. So Brian asked his friend Steve to get a little bit higher so they could overlook the whole valley. And Steve starts to try to lift the plane, but they were surrounded by all the mountains and the plane wouldn't lift. And so Steve starts to go up and down almost in a porpoise style to try to just get a little bit lift under there. And he's not getting the lift that he wants. And Steve's just starting to get quiet as he lifts the plane and drops the plane, but it's not getting as high as he needs to. And as Brian looks, he just looks and he sees that they're heading towards the face of a mountain. And at that moment, he calls his wife. And Brian says, hey, hon, I just want to say, and she says, hey, I hope you're having a really great time. And he goes, yeah, yeah. And he says, hey, listen, I want to tell you, hey, yeah, I've got to go. But I'll see you in an hour. And hangs up. And Steve continues to try to get the lift of that plane. He had no idea that he would have the struggle that he was having. In Matthew 1, 20 through 22, we read in this great narrative for the night, she will bring a son to birth. And when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, which means God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. You will name him Jesus because which means God saves because he will save people from their sins. You see, Jesus is the one who sent into the world, even though many, many were born to be a king, one was the king to be born. Many were born to be a king, but one was the king to be born, and his name is Jesus. And his name is Jesus to save you and me from our sins, to save us from our hopelessness. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus for us. And as we live out our lives and as we know that hope has the name and it is the name of Jesus in the midst of our valleys, he is where we put our focus. He is where we go. And as Brian and Steve were trying to bring that plane up, Brian looked at Steve and he said, Steve, are we going to be okay? 
And Steve looked at Brian and he said, I need you to put your seatbelt on and prepare for a crash. And at that moment, they both, in their own quietness, were screaming in their hearts and their minds, prayers and focus of faith on Jesus. And in a moment, all of a sudden, tree limbs come crashing into the cockpit. The plane is in a violent movement through the trees and into the ground. And Brian closes his eyes and in the next moment opens them again. Looks around, pats his body, looks at Steve, and they both rejoice in praise to God that they're alive. Hope has a name, Jesus. And they knew that their only hope would be found in Jesus. And so in Matthew 1, 23, they would bring the prophets, and I love this in this paraphrase, they would bring the prophets' embryonic revelation to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us in every valley that we walk through. And the unforeseen turbulence and the unforeseen things that are to come. He's with you. And in the midst of the darkness, he is the light. Now I want you to do something. Maybe, maybe your spouse told you not to do this. Maybe your parent or grandparent said not to do this. But I want you to open the box that was on your chair. Open it up. It's okay. In that box, you will find a small little flashlight. And I want you to turn that flashlight on. You have to hold the back of it down. But just shine that light right now. Hope has a name, and it is Jesus who is at work within you. And the light that he brings into the darkness is yours. You are the light to someone, and it is not your light that shines, but it is the light of Jesus that shines through you into the darkness and into the life of someone who is in need. Brian and Steve, as they crashed that plane, they weren't able to get rescuers to them. They had to walk eight hours out of the mountains to their family and their homes, but they walked together, never alone, always with Jesus. I want to conclude tonight with this reality that you and I, as those who are hope bearers through the one whose name is known to the world, Jesus, through your and my light and love that is his light and love shining through us, that the incarnation, the breaking in of Jesus into the world is uncommon. 
And he sends us into the world to be uncommon for the world. There's a Franciscan blessing, and we're going to say the whole thing later tonight. But one of the lines of it, it says, the incarnation of Jesus in our world and in your life brings to you the blessing to be foolish enough to believe you can make a difference in the world. So that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. We are uncommon because we have an uncommon God who is the king of the world and became a baby to save us so that we may bring his light today, tomorrow, and forevermore because Jesus is for you and he's for all. And all of God's people said, Amen.